This is Dagon123, and welcome to the all-new TenchiCast. Hello everyone, and welcome to the next exciting episode of the all-new TenchiCast, presented by TenchiForum.com and TenchiMuyoWiki.com. Before we get started though, as you've already heard just now, we have new intro music. The TenchiCast intro was done by our very own Raven Jirai, aka White Raven, who is an amazing composer and synth artist. We collaborated on a piece you can also hear, called No Need for Aesthetic, which is on our YouTube channel. But also, if you're a fan of Synthwave, please check out his work on Knight Rider 87, which we'll have links to in the description, as well as at the end of the video, and SoundCloud links as well. 30 years of Tenchi. This year marks three decades of carnivals, and our favorite cast and crew being around. Among the many festivities, the Tenchi Forum has cooked up for everybody, we decided what better time than now to find out what all of Tenchi fandom thinks is the best of the best and the worst of the worst as far as episodes go. Naturally, you put your best foot forward, and we started with the best of the best, and that poll has now concluded, and we know what those are. We can't wait to dive in and talk about that in this latest episode. Speaking of fantastic casts, by the way, I have a very special cast with me today. Returning to TenchiCast after a very long hiatus, my good friend Chuck. It's wonderful to be back, everybody. We also have Kiyami. Hey. We have Pai. You wanted the best of the best of the best, sir. And of course, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him, your friendly neighborhood who. Happy anniversary. Let's get started, kids. Number 10. As picked by you, Tenchi Fandom, is Tenchi Universe Episode 12, Time and Space Adventures Part 2, which, for all of those who are listening, I'm also going to go through and describe some of those episodes for you in the event that, you know, it's been 30 years, or in this case for Tenchi Universe, it's been about 27 years, but this episode for the Time and Space Adventures in particular starts off with Kione's world and ends in Sasami's world. Now, you might be familiar with these because in Kione's world, she's running away to start a new life. And in Sasami's, one that's very close to everybody, she transforms into Pretty Sammy and has a very uh, shipping tease moment with Ryoko and Aieka. I was a little bit surprised, honestly, to see any of the time and space adventures, but particularly the middle installment, uh, make the top ten. But pleasantly surprised, I, I suppose I could say. These were always uh, interesting episodes. I mean, it really is sort of like the only Tenchi variety show that we ever got. Probably if the show went longer, we would have seen more episodes like this, but they were a good middle ground of between the, the Earth-based part of universe and then the space-based part of universe. As for this particular episode, it did not make my top 10, but I like this one, especially uh, as a fan of Kione. She is my favorite character. I did enjoy her her world uh, trying to escape, but never being able to fully get away from a Hoshi. And uh, as you indicated, yes, the, uh, <laughs> the wonderful ship tease at the end of the Sasami world between uh, Ryoko and Aika is just wonderful. 
Yeah, this was definitely on my list, you know, because it's at least partially Kione-centric. It was nice seeing Kione happy and, you know, seeing Mihoshi's hair down. Yeah, sorry, Kione, can't get away from Mihoshi, but, you know, it was beautiful while it lasted, and yeah, it was good. Well, uh, I too am uh, thrilled that this made the top 10. The three time and space adventures, I think, are pretty much universally enjoyed by Tenchi Universe viewers. It's kind of uh, meta in a way of, uh, as anyone who sticks around with Tenchi Muyo knows, there's so many different universes of Tenchi, Tenchi Universe being one of them. And there's so many continuities, you know, so we see here in all of these different takes we see the same characters. They have their same core personalities, but they're recast in different ways. And it's just fun. So this one was uh, was a pleasure seeing Kione's ideal world, I think, as I myself am in my 30s now, joining Tenchi there. You know, it, it seems like a, a nice leisurely pace. She's going for a walk, waving at people in the neighborhood, going to a, a family restaurant and... Um, I recall just recently, uh, I think somebody in our Discord actually had, uh, coincidentally, we were talking about this episode, and had made a comment that, like, it's really important to know that Mihoshi does show up in Kione's world. So even though it's for humor, Kione, goodness, we can all empathize. She needs a break from Mihoshi once in a while. But she, even when she could imagine a world, a universe of her own making... Mahoshi's still there. And so I think that in a way is actually touching when you think about it. Then we have Sasami's world where things get a little more eccentric. Talking Ryooki, Magical Girl transformation, and of course the aforementioned uh, <laughs> Ryoko Aika shipping moment. You know, again, Pretty Sammy had her own uh, her own sort of continuity. She had OVA. She had a TV series as well. And so this this was kind of alluding to that development that was going on in the real world as as Tenchi Muyo was was airing. So that was really fun. And I also always think of one of the most iconic bits for Toonami viewers. Many of us in here, of course, fall under that umbrella. And I'm sure many listeners as well. And I can always picture <laughs> as Tenchi's being pulled one way and the other by Aika and Ryoko. And I can hear Peter Cullen saying, love stinks. Only Toonami. It warms my heart, honestly, to see that Time and Space Adventures actually made it onto the top 10 from the fans. This particular installment, of course, we see Takeone's World. While I saw this episode back when I was a teenager, about 17, 18, back in the late 90s, and I can appreciate the, the humor of the episode, I didn't really understand the gravity from Keone's side of things until I'm I'm now 42 and transitioning from one career to another, much the same way that uh, Keone is here. She's leaving being a police officer. She wants to have some kind of stability or normalcy to her life. And as I've gotten older, I've actually seen myself shifting from seeing this episode as kind of a middle child, so to speak, of the Time and Space trilogy. And more putting myself into Kione's shoes and understanding her her strain of trying to move from one life to another life. As for Sasami's world, well, let's be honest, Pretty Sammy's awesome. I enjoy watching watching the shenanigans with all the characters basically portraying themselves in high school. Ryoko and Aika fighting over Tenshi. And okay, I'm sorry, but anybody who doesn't love the the moment where Aika and Ryoko lean in real close is like, I've always loved you. Oh, hold me tight. Uh, and then the curtain falls down. I was like, no, no, give me one more second. F 
finish it. No. And tune in next time for the conclusion of Tenchi Universe Saga. And I'm like, okay, fine. Be that way. I have to say, seeing the second episode of the Time and Space Adventure show up, that one did surprise me. This one, it was nice just because it represents a lot of the uh, the zaniness that Tenchi can get into. It's just fun to see the fun that the writers were having with being able to incorporate this into Tenchi Universe. And this did not make my top 10, but everybody, if you saw the, the two-minute Toonami promo back in the day, you know, there's that towards the end of the promo, you have that moment where... Uh, Ryoko and Aika are pulling Tenchi apart, and he says, Stop this, girls! And, like, that is always sticks out in my mind, and, of course, that's from this episode, uh, episode 12. And it's just the perfect tease, the perfect way to end it, on that shipping tease that, of course, I mean, uh, a good friend of mine once said it's like cocaine at a petting zoo. Like, you just can't. You, you're just like, Oh, no, no, you can't stop right there. Why? Next up, number nine. Tenchi Muyo, Ryooki, OVA 1, Episode 6, We Need Tenchi. The climax to the first OVA, spoiler alert, cold opens to Ryoko, and she is mourning over the possible loss of Tenchi possibly having been shot to death by Kagato in the Soja, and come to find out, thankfully, Tenchi's alive. But among the many cool things that happen in this episode, we are introduced to Washu, fan favorite, and also the Lighthawk Wings and the Lighthawk Sword, although I think technically they're in the episode before, but we get to see, you know, the evolution of that. So yeah, I'm not surprised at all to see this one on the top 10. I mean, it really is the the culmination of that first OVA, the, the genesis of, of the whole franchise, really. I mean, this is what it was building towards, a show that started off with such down-to-earth small stakes. It goes from a boy discovering a sword in a cave all the way to... Uh, Weapons of mass destruction, Kagato threatening the world, Tenchi coming back from the dead miraculously and, and having heretofore unknown powers disclosed for the first time. And as you said, I mean, it, you, it's the introduction of Washu, it's the introduction of the Lighthawk Sword. It really is just an all-time banger of an episode. And the line that I always remember is uh, when Kagato said, I, I, you will, I could let you go. You could still walk away from this. And the line I always remember from Tenchi is, like, I would rather die than forsake any one of these women. And that was really just, it shows him in his most heroic moment. And I always love that. And just on a personal note, when I was out of the Tenchi Muyo fandom for a while before I came to Tenchi Forum, I could not for the life of me like even remember the name of this show that I used to love watching on Toonami. And the only thing that I remembered was that the bad guy got cut in half and then his spaceship got cut in half too. And that's this episode. It's just such a funny thing to stick in my head. And that's really what brought me all the way back to Tenchi fandom and, and Tenchi Forum and all of you wonderful people. And... That's why it has a special place in my heart. But yeah, this is definitely deserving to be on anyone's top 10 list. This was an awesome conclusion to the original conflict between Tenchi and Kagato and the OVA. And, you know, we saw all the girls in their battles, outfits and everything. And Mihoshi kicks snakes and frees Washu. Spoiler alert, there was no way out. Well... I think, as has been said, this one isn't terribly surprising, being on many Tenchi Muyo fans' top 10 lists. I wonder how many times I'll be repeating that this cast, but that's a good thing in a way, because, you know, shows a consensus on these good episodes are, are just good. It's not just our nostalgia fueling them. So yeah, we have here, it It starts on such a serious note, and there are, are such stakes involved. And as Chuck said, where we have 
gone by this point, the last episode of this installment that we call OVA-1, where Hayashi and the rest of the production staff and crew took us in a period of, of six episodes is uh, is incredible, really, the ground covered and how much you've come to know these characters, how much you've come to care about them. So you have, uh, I, I think really this this episode, of course, it's very climactic and it shows a lot of the strengths of Tenchi Muyo because you have, you know, kind of the the monomyth, if you will, the the young boy, he he um, he, he's he's wielding that sword, his his ancestor's sword, you know, takes out the the bad guy, saves the world. We have a very uh, wonderful kind of monologue from Kagato and between him and Washu, and it's very much reminiscent not coincidentally, of Obi-Wan and uh, Darth Vader on the Death Star, really. I mean, you know, that, that that's definitely in Tenshi Muyo's DNA. And so it's it's just a, it's a great episode. It's And, uh, you know, you have all of these high stakes, you have all of this sci-fi action. And then, uh, as Chuck said, like 20-some years ago, like that stuck out in his mind, the ending of it. You have this, uh, you know, warm reunion. Everybody's kind of bonded over this. And then you just have this really funny slapstick moment of like oh no the ship got cut in half and washu going whoops and it kind of all blows up and you're like i guess everybody's okay so it's it it's a fantastic episode it's funny uh, between now and when the poll originally opened because we wanted to give people time to to go over this and hear about it and and you know, submit their answers. I actually can't remember all of the episodes I chose because I did it right away and off the cuff and what my heart was telling me. So I don't even remember if I got this one. I I think I did. But at any rate, yeah, great episode. This is a very good episode and it is a nice closure to OVA1. It has a lot of good action to it. You get to see Tsunami ship form. You see it to see Tsunami's humanoid form. You see the introduction of Washu. It is a very good episode. However, I will say this one did not make my top 10, and there actually is a big reason for that. This particular episode, in my personal opinion, has a little bit of compromise to it. I wrote a much more detailed review uh, sometime earlier, and what happens in this episode to me is you start seeing a transition from a lot more of action storytelling to much more spoken storytelling. If you look at the episode previous, there's a lot more of combat. There's a lot more action, visual action actually portrayed on the scene. However, with this particular episode, a lot of the action ends up getting backgrounded. You have people talking over it. You see it being projected in the background on monitors. Uh, Ryoko's fight with Kagato, you have a good bit of it basically being Ryoko and Aika getting curb stomped by Kagato for a good part of it. And the climax, as cathartic as it is to see uh, Kagato cut in half, in many ways, it comes out of nowhere. The fact that Tenchi has Lighthawk wings and can materially transform objects and cut things, entire spaceships in half, it does come out of left field and is left unexplained for a good chunk of not only this series, but the next one as well. In my opinion, this episode, as good as it is, does have some compromising aspects to it. While it is very solid, I do find that it didn't make my top 10 because it has some weaknesses to it. I liked this episode. I mean, it's the end of OVA 1. It's the climax. There's some funny moments. In particular, I liked, I really liked the entire section with Mihoshi kind of unlocking Washu. Just the, you know, the geometry of the Soja and how that all works and how they have like a separate dimension in the Soja, which is just a really cool concept that you wouldn't necessarily think about as far as like a spaceship is concerned. Um, the cold open with Ryoko holding 
uh, you know, Tenchi's bloody head wrap, like, oh my god, it immediately hits you in the heart. You're like, oh man, oh man, she's uh, Ryoko's got to go get Kagato. She's got to get him. But it did not make my top ten either, even though it is a great episode, and I can definitely see why people would put it in their top ten because it is just a really great episode. Number eight, Tenchi Universe episode twenty five. No need for a showdown. Tenchi and the night forms of Azaka and Kamidake are in the Jirai Royal Palace, and they are going after Kagato. On the outside, in space, the girls, Washu, Kione, Sasami, are fighting with the fleet, or are going around and trying to stop the fleet from doing their thing. Nagi is flying around and blowing people up in Kanoki. It's also the episode where Washu has the super virus out of nowhere. We also get to see not only the fight between Tenshi and Kagato, but we also get to see the very cool, awesome Teta and Tese, the Dark Knights. This one is sort of a mirror of the episode uh, that we just talked about a second ago. It's the it's the climax. It's what the show has been building towards. I definitely had this one in my top ten. In fact, I mean, I had the, the last four episodes of Universe in my top ten. They make a really, really good, just solid hour and a half almost like movie type thing of a capstone for the for the universe story i mean this one it's, it's got everything it's got the drama it's got the action uh, as you said the the night battles between knight azaka and kamadake and then those two dark knights really i mean fascinating stuff and then just the the, the ultimate showdown with kagato rescuing aika uh, really it's a good it's a good capstone for that particular story arc of Universe, and I liked it a lot. This is definitely one of the ones that I remember watching as a kid on Toonami. Like, I would rush home from school because, like, my bus would get home right as Tenshi Universe was starting to air, and I could not miss this episode. I would have, I would have died if I missed this episode. So it sticks in my mind and it is definitely worthy of its place in the top 10. Yeah. I mean, it, it was cool to see that like all the Kagato versus Tenchi episodes like made it back to back on this list. Um, although it was not on my list. Um, I definitely get it. Cause like everything in universe boiled down to this and it's like, was the journey worth it? Was the sacrifice worth it? So yeah, I definitely understand why this is on the top 10. I guess if we're trying to recall whether something was or wasn't on our list, I don't think this made mine, but none of these are, are bad. That, that doesn't mean I, I think it's bad. And I, when we, if we hypothetically had a worst of the worst cast, things might be different, but the vibe here is like, this is all good stuff. I can't really, you know, can't really complain here. So yeah, this episode, as Chuck said, we have parallels here. We have the, uh, the TV adaptation of uh, Tenchi Muyo, speaking of like the time and space adventures, we have Kagato showing up again, albeit he is recast here instead of being a uh, student colleague, uh, formerly of, of Washu, he has this Jiraiyan connection. And that's played up to very interesting ends, of course, throughout the series. Another kind of parallel, but a difference we have there is in the OVA, there's kind of this, we need to go Tenchi and the the girls, which is this unifying kind of you know moment for them, Tenchi and the girls, the vibe is like, we got to go save Ryoko. Well, the vibe here is like, we got to go save Aika. And so I appreciate that kind of, that I'm sure the writers and Nagishi and so forth said, why don't we, you know, why don't we just do that here? We've got a fresh opportunity. Let's do a fresh take. Let's mix it up a little bit here. And we get to see Ryoko bravely charging into battle. We get to see, again, the knights 
and we have that of course the the showdown and I really liked here the uh, the the duel between Tenchi and Kagato here because we have this sort of as opposed to the uh, Light Hawk wings coming out of nowhere, uh, which was said previously is very much a Deus Ex Machina kind of thing, kind of a cop out really. But you know, for what OVA one was, these six episodes, you've got to have something you know contained and it be entertaining and fun and exciting it was all of those things so here we have again though a little bit of the along with the sci-fi some mysticism there and seeing tenchi as sort of this heir apparent you know not only to the jirayan throne but we have the planet jirai it's almost like the planet itself has chosen him as as its champion and similarly earth and you know there's probably a lot of viewers who can perhaps in a way relate to that and that tenchi sort kind of sort of has these two uh home worlds and in a way he He's descended from Jirai, but Earth is his home. And I think that's very much captured uh, in OVA 1 as well, but in this one as well with his uh, with his grandfather, who sort of is the bridge between these two very different but also similar worlds. And so it's, it's a great episode. But boy, the, the note that it leaves you on for Ryoko fans, and we are many, we are Legion. Oh my gosh, the, uh, the drama was ratcheted up tightly enough in OVA 1 uh, in... in, in I'm sorry, Tenchi, but it's like, man, in 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 universe, when you think, oh my God, is it Ryoko? Did we lose Ryoko? You're you are you're 10, 11, 12 years old watching that. You're losing it. You're losing your mind. And uh, fortunately, spoiler alert, of course, there's an episode after this, and I have a sneaking suspicion we'll be getting to that pretty soon. This episode is arguably I waffle. This episode is arguably my favorite episode. Of the entire franchise. As we've said before, everything has built to this. This moment when Tenchi battles Kagato, the dark version of his grandfather, his grandfather's arch nemesis, to bring peace to all of this, to unveil this coup d'etat on Jirai, to save Ayaka. This this is probably, I would argue, the pinnacle that Tenchi Muyo has ever achieved. It, you you see knight versus knight combat. You see prince versus usurper. You see Nagi doing a death blossom in the middle of the Dryan fleet and nuking them all. Which, by the way, that is a reference to the last Starfighter. Washu's techno-organic virus that takes over the fleet and basically destroys their uh, military database. Which, for the at the time... I thought it was actually an homage to Independence Day, but I checked the dates. Uh, this episode of Universe aired in 95 before Independence Day came out in 1996. So this actually predates that. So did Independence Day yoink that? Hmm, I wonder. But either way, the episode has basically everything you'd want. Ship-to-ship combat, sword-to-sword combat. It's their darkest hour. Uh, Yagami is grounded. Ryuoki is nowhere to be found. Kenoki and Nagi, after they've done their part, say, see ya! <laughs> and fly off into the distance. And the one thing that got my heart the most in this particular episode, I mean, we'll talk about Ryoko soon enough, but in the final battle when Tenchi and Kagato are battling, Tenchi's getting, his, 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 getting wrecked in this fight, and it's Ayaka who stands up. And you see murder in her eyes for the first time. And even Kagato says it. You finally summoned Jirai's power, have you? Implying Ayaka has not been using her full potential this entire series. And now she's going to do it. Now, does she get the job done t- killing Kagato? No, of course she doesn't. Uh, that it, that honor goes to Tenji by the end of the episode. And it, But still, that moment where you see, you think the Princess of Jirai is going to stand up and win the day. It's everything is just so powerful and monumental just all the feelings welling up 
I have to make the comparison to one of Nagishi's previous works. I want to say it's the series he worked right before this one. I'd have to check the dates. But Nagishi also re-envisioned a previous series before this one, which was Tekken Blade. The original Tekken series was from the 70s. Tekken Blade was a re-envisioning in the 90s, much the same way that Tenchi Universe is a re-envisioning of the first OVA of Tenchi Muyo. In that series, you had the same kind of thing. You had Tekken Blade and Tekken Evil. There was two sides of the coin. Here you have Tenchi and Kagato, two sides of the same coin, a light version and dark version. And here you see the knights as well. You have the two white knights, two dark knights. There's a symmetry to it. And very similarly, you have a female lead in Tekken Blade who basically pulls a gun on the main villain in his weakest moment, has an opportunity to kill him, but the hero stands up and says, no, this is my fight. And oh, the drama of her watching him go to battle one last time. And it's the same thing with Tenshi and Aika here. Tenshi stands up and says, you're not going to kill Aika. I'm taking you down. It is the drama is amazing, and I love this episode. If you watch Tenchi Universe, you must watch this episode. How am I going to follow that? Everything that's been said, absolutely agree that it should be on the top ten. I will be another voice, I guess. I thought I'd be a more rare voice, but I guess not. I did not put this in my top ten, though it is, without a doubt, it is the high watermark for action in Tenchi Muyo. When you think of Tenchi action, you think of this episode because burned into my brain is that two minute tsunami promo and like a chunk of this episode appears in that promo specifically because tsunami was an action oriented block and the best and the, the vast majority of the action that happens in Tenchi Muyo is really centered around this one episode. Because you have the knights fighting, you have Tenchi and Kagato fighting, you have the ships flying back and forth. You know, like the part where Tese dies, that's in the promo. The part where Nagi says, see ya, and she goes off, that's in the promo. Like, so many good moments and memorable moments in this episode are also featured in that promo, which are burned into my mind. And again, even though it didn't make my top ten, to the people who have voted in the poll, you have voted well. Number seven, Tenchi Muyo Ryooki. OVA 1, Episode 5, Kagato Attacks. Kagato shows himself. He appears, and as arguably the best villain that we also talked about in a podcast, OVA 1, Kagato, intimidating, intelligent, and he shows up in the bath first, immediately takes over Ryoko, and then ends up having to fight Tenchi, and eventually Katsuhito shows up, and we learn the backstory to Katsuhito actually being Yosho. This is a very fortuitous ranking because I guess we're closing out the Kagato section of the show. And I mean, I can't think of a better episode to do that with than this one. I think this is probably, if not my favorite, definitely my top one or two favorite episodes of OVA1. Just because it's so good from beginning to end despite being so dense in terms of what actually happens and the amount of information that is learned. I mean, like you said, it starts off with the reveal that Katsuhito, a lovable, grumpy grandpa, is actually Yosho, who you've been hearing about for the last several episodes in the show. And Kagato is the reason that Yosho left circuitously. I mean, he sent Ryoko to attack Jirai, but the stakes really get bumped up in this episode, and the duel between Yosho and Kagato is one of my favorites in the entire franchise. I mean, at, at one point, Katsuhito is, like, sitting 
on the edge of Kagato's sword, like taunting him. And he's throwing the sword at him and he's making faces at him. It's just really, it's it, it's a energetic fight in, in a way that the other ones are more perhaps dramatic. This one is, is lively. And my God, the cliffhanger at the end of this episode is nail-biting and an absolute gut punch. I think it will be forever burned in my brain, to use your uh, language, Dagon, but when Ryoko is just desperately searching the debris field after Tenshi is is supposedly, quote-unquote, blown up, and she finds that bloody handkerchief or head, head wrap, and just the rage and despair and just resolution... Uh, in her declaration of she will make Kagato pay. Like, I will make you pay, Kagato. Like, really great voice work from our friend of the community and friend of our cast, Patria Burchard, and just really an all-time great performance in an all-time great episode. And it was in my top ten, as I'm sure you can guess based on the glowing review that I'm giving it now, and it certainly deserves its spot, in my opinion. This was on my list as well, and along with its conclusion, we need Tenchi, we meet Kagato, and you get to see Miyoshi, like, really, like, in action, like, for the first time, she's like, oh, hey. And then he's like, he hands at her past uh, in the galaxy, please. And uh, we go to space. And as uh, Chuck was saying, like, that cliffhanger was intense back in the day. I love a good reveal. And this episode, it's got some really good reveals. I love that buildup, as has been said, the previous episodes, where you're getting these hints. You're getting this that, like, okay. There is some connection between this shrine in rural Japan and this Shinto priest and this this ancient civilization, this legendary warrior. And you're wondering what that is. And you're wondering, is it is he a descendant? And what what is it? And so you get this reveal and you're like, oh, my gosh, that it's him. And you can see it all in Aika's eyes when really badass grandpa moment when you just think Kagato's just about to grab the sword and then nope, almost like, you know, a Jedi using the force. It mysteriously floats over and uh, who's it going towards? Oh, it's going towards grandpa. And he says, are you playing with something that doesn't belong to you? And you're just like, oh, it's 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 going down. And you're just the hype in this episode. Dorit. Again, yeah, a great fight scene. You have the, the, the moral dilemma here of, oh, no, like he can he can control Ryoko. He's. Being, of course, as a villain, he's he's using her as a shield and all of that. But Yosho's overcoming all of that. You know, I'm I'm reminded of uh, I'm going off the cuff here, folks. But director and co-creator of Tenchi Muyo, Hiroki Hayashi, he had he had said once that like when he was coming up with Kagato and and this episode and stuff, he had he had really kind of initially thought there was you know he said like I put some humor in the character. But he's like, but I I don't think people picked up on it or I don't think that got through and. You know, if you watch it, it, the Japanese version, the the seiyu, the voice actor, he's very bombastic, and there's there's like a reverb effect on there. And you know, you think about it, like Kagato, he he appears in the bathhouse, and they're throwing things at him. And Yosho does like, you know, like the oldest trick in the book. You know, he 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 puts the sword in the in the tree. Oh, you're giving up, are you? Zap, nope, like a Yosemite Sam bit. But when the episode came together, and I think. I, I would almost say particularly like the English dub experience of that. The the way it's delivered, the way it's presented, Seiko Nagaoka's wonderful score being deployed where it's needed and not where it's not. So you have these, you know, these tension filled moments. It's 
it's such a tense episode. I mean, it 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 really is. And as has been said from uh, Patria's Ryoko and from everybody, there's there, it really felt like, again, the reveal and I could go on and on, but just the stakes. All of a sudden, this series, the four previous episodes, a lot of gags, fan service, cute Cabot introducing the, the girls, all of that. And then this episode is, you know, like all the chips are getting pushed into the table. It's like... No, this is this is where it goes down. This is where the stakes are all of a sudden raised. And you're like, holy cow. And as has been said, like leading up to, oh, my gosh, did he just blow up Tenchi? Like, I, I, how how did this happen? One day, this kid's falling asleep on, on the roof at school. And the next, you know, he's expected to wield a <clears throat> lightsaber and pilot a spaceship. I mean, what is going on here? This is one of the other episodes that just waffles on my top one or two episodes list. Again, it's it's a climactic episode. It's a tense episode, as who is alluded to already. While we were introduced to Kagato very briefly at the end of episode four, this is you see him in full. You see him in full force, actually out in combat. He's also not protected by Soja's shield in episode six. Fight me, bro, is basically what he's doing. And he takes mental control over Yoko, uses her as a second fiddle to his ends. Yosho comes out. And I love, I absolutely adore the choreography, the fight between Yosho and Kagato, and then the three-way fight between Yosho, Kagato, and Ryoko when Ryoko gets uh, drugged into that fight. I remember distinctly when I was in university and I took a course in creative writing. I actually submitted some of my fan fiction to my professor. To give him an example, he, he was confused as to what was going on in some of, the, some of the descriptions I was showing him in the story. So what was the episode that I showed him to try and get across what I was talking about? talking about i showed him this fight and he went oh i get it all the colors all the all this tension i get it now and i'm like i know right so this is something that gets across not just uh, languages it's just the, the the sheer tension and body language the 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 stakes as who said is very very high everybody can tell Things are going down now and there's just so much going on and the onus gets shifted from Yosho to Tenshi. He's now the inheritor of everything that Yosho was. He's now crown prince and he has to make the choice of making this fight. And to OVA1's credit and also to Universe's credit, both of them did this. Tenshi had a choice to walk away. In Universe episode 24, he was also given a choice to leave with Ryoko. It, that wasn't his fight. He didn't have to save Jirai. He could have left, left Jirai to its own devices, but he chose not to because it was no longer just uh, Aika's fight or Yosho's fight. It was his fight. Here in episode five of the first OVA, same thing. Yosho gives him the choice and Tenshi says, I'm going. I'm going to go save Ryoko. I'm doing this. Tenshi has agency. That's one thing I love about OVA1, Universe, and I, Tenshi Moyo also. Tenshi has agency. He chooses what he wants to do. And that's the one thing that I love about a character. They choose their fate and they let the chips fall where they may. Kakato Attacks is, like who was saying, the best intro that you could do for Kakato. It just makes him this ultra menacing presence. He bests everybody like it's nothing. With the exception of, you know, Grandpa Katsuhito, but even then, I mean, it's, we didn't really get to see that as a fight fight. It was more just like basically a test of strength. But even then, it didn't diminish him in any way, even when he touched the sword. 
The other things that I really liked about this episode, which ironically were not the action, but Aika's performance, very well done when she's going to Katsuhito and she says, you're my brother, you're my brother Yosho. Like, not many moments in Tenshi looking back at the entirety of it now, like we've done for this, does Aika really get a lot of moments like these. And another one that I really liked, that Kiyami kind of brought up a little bit earlier, is like, this shows Mihoshi isn't, you know, I guess, for a lack of a better term, like, Mihoshi's not an idiot. As Kagato says, she's like, your, your record stinks and you're overworked, but Mihoshi was still doing her job, and she was still trying to protect them, even in the face of Kagato, and I thought that, you know, the characterization of the characters in this episode was fantastic. Did it make my top ten? No. Which is probably surprising to a lot of people like, dang, what's wrong with you? You said so many good things about these episodes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, when an episode is good, an episode is good. And I will echo the sentiment of those who did put it on their list and voted for it. Number six, Tenchi Universe, episode one. No need for discussions. The beginning of Tenchi Universe, Tenchi starts out reminiscing about events we, the viewer, have not seen yet. He sees a falling star. That falling star ends up being Ryoko. Ryoko is being pursued by Mihoshi, and the dominoes keep falling after that, one by one. Okay, so this one did not make my top ten, and while I don't dislike the episode, I think it's I think it's fine. It's certainly a good introduction to the, the new, different universe, which is Tenchi Universe. I just found it not nearly as engaging and grabbing as the first episode of OVA1, which is, I mean, it's iconic. And this one, it, it lacked that iconicness that the OVA had. Like I said, I don't dislike this episode. In fact, I like parts of it. I really like the kind of ruse that Ryoko tries to pull on on Tenshi and his family playing the, the innocent victim. I'm being chased by a space pirate. Like, that was fun. That was a neat twist. I think it maybe went on a little bit too long, and it was a bit too cute by half, but I did like that, and it was funny to see the sort of role reversal there and just the absolute driving of Tenshi to his wit's end <laughs> of just trying to get his family to not fall for this clearly obvious ruse that Ryoko is pulling, but I, it was not in my top 10, and I think that there are better introductions to different series uh, in this franchise that certainly did a better job, at least of, of, of sticking around and, and really getting the show off to a great start, but not a bad episode by any means. So the first episode of Universe is, you know, it's beautiful on its own, and after all, you know, it is Tenshi, like, retelling all the events of Universe, um, and we meet Ryoko and Mihoshi... And how he, she, I mean, the space pirate, I mean, Mihoshi drove that mech through that house is beyond me. Anyway, this is where the carnival begins. So, yeah, it's a good time. I love this episode. And you better believe it's in my top ten. And I'm going to tell you why. I completely agree with Chuck when he said the gold standard that the first episode of OVA 1 set. And, and it remains just this high watermark in so many ways of how to introduce you into a new world. The thing with the, the opening to Tenshi universe is just so gosh darn fun. It's fun. And again, like uh, was, was said in the opening here a little bit, uh, Dagon was saying there's uh, you know, you're seeing a little bit of like, okay, we're, they're, we've got the framing device of Tenshi's walking to school and he's remembering. What's he remembering? How far back is this? We're not quite sure yet, but here we go. We're going on the journey. 
and it starts in Meteoris. We've got this action's going on. There's a space battle above. If you were a viewer of the of OVA one, you can recognize Rio Oki. Looks like Rio Oki. But you know the great thing about Universe and a lot of these uh, series is that you don't have to have watched OVA one to jump into Universe. It was made that way in mind for television viewers back in the day who may not have seen the OVA on VHS or Laserdisc. So this episode is just yeah, it, it just it just gives me warm fuzzies when I remember it. And get, you know, uh, the way Ryoko immediately goes into kind of seductress mode. There's a little lesson there about not judging books by their covers there. <laughs> we have these really comedic moments. You know, Ryoko, it's for you. Oh, who is it? You, who do you think it is? And that's a very good question, Kiyami. How did they fit that huge mecha into the house? How did Grandpa manage to disarm this mecha with just a hunk of wood basically you have nobuyuki and the uh the whole kind of pervy dad trope in anime it's it's a it's a little reined in here but it's funny i just can't help but find it's funny don't worry i'll keep you safe miss uh, space pirate lady or uh not really space pirate lady and of course we figure out pretty quickly that no rabbit Ryoko is the space pirate. And so we have that interaction with Mahoshi and, you know, she's, I'm, I'm going to arrest you. And Ryoko, oh, I might just, I might just do that for you. Oh, great. Let me just read you your rights. And Ryoko's messing with her there. And, you know, the end there, it's so, it, it, it's kind of a microcosm, I think, of, of what you're getting into with Tenchi Universe and a lot of Tenchi Muyo in general, or what it should be. You've got the action, you've got the humor, got the, the flirtation and, you know, the end of the episode where Ryoko says no need for discussions appropriately. <laughs> and Tenchi's think how much his life changed in like those past 24 hours. And he's up on the roof and he's repairing the roof. And uh, <laughs> Ryoko, oh, what are you doing? Like, what do you think I'm doing? Who do you think caused this? Oh, why would you ask something like that? And it's just, you know, like, this is your life, buddy, for for who knows how long in the future but welcome to your life these girls just showed up out of nowhere and they showed up on your doorstep and you know yeah tough luck buddy you're in for some some adventures here and uh but yeah i i love this episode so picture 1996 i had just watched tenshi muyo in love and loved it on the sci-fi channel on saturday anime Saturday morning after playing trombone in a marching band and football game, I sleep it off, go to the blockbuster down the road. I walk in. I see that movie that I just saw on Sci-Fi Channel when it was spelled right on the shelf. And I'm like, hey, there's that movie. That's a, that's a Tenshi movie that I saw. My mother's there. I mean, it's like, yeah, that is. But I noticed next to it, there are two more VHSs. Tenshi Universe on Earth, Volume 1, and Tenshi Universe on Earth, Volume 2. And I'm like, oh, we renting this. The second thing of Tenshi Muyo I ever saw was Tenshi Universe Episode 1. This takes me back to a time when I was not, I wouldn't say young and impressionable, but my formative years, my teenage years, and seeing space pirates and, and mobile suit mecha flying around someone's house, mecha getting cut in half by bokens and whatnot, and police detectives with laser guns, and probably for more like photon guns, but either way, it, this introduced me back into anime. I had, of course, seen like Gigantor and Robotech or Tetsuogen 28 and Go Lion and uh, Macross. But anyway, besides that, this was my reintroduction back into that world. And I love this episode. It sadly did not make it onto my top 10, but I sorely appreciate it because it introduced me back into what imaginative worlds could be again. And I haven't looked back. 
It's funny. It's full of action. It's uh, it's everything you want to introduce yourself into a TV series. And it introduces many of the main characters right off the bat. And as who said, Tenchi, this is your life now. You're going to have to deal with it. Tenchi Universe Episode 1 has, like has been said by, you know, Pi and who, it has a special place in my heart for a different, a number of different reasons, but it did make my top 10. And that is because the one thing that Tenchi Muyo across all of its series that it's really good at is putting its best foot forward for that particular series. All of the first episodes in Tenchi Muyo almost to a T, they are really, really good. And Universe in particular is just, you hit the ground running. You get a really soft spot that kind of teases you and gives you a little bit of mystery. And if you had seen, in Pi's case he hadn't seen, but you know if you'd seen the OVA before watching Universe, it was new dog old tricks in a way. It did a lot of the same things that OVA 1 Episode 1 did, but it did it in a different way. It was more fun. It was, as has been said, you know, it was more fun. You know, this is something that I've seen a few people have a knock against Universe in that they say, oh, it's, it's, uh, too, it's not deep enough. Well, I think this episode in particular, it is a perfect stake if you look at it from the perspective of what Tenchi Muyo is. And you hit the ground running as soon as Tenchi finds Ryoko. And all of the elements that you love about Tenchi Muyo are in this episode. It gives you the funny. It's got a little bit of action. The pacing is right on it. It leaves you just a little bit of leeway, but not enough that you're like, ah, oh, this is boring. And the ending, you know, that I'm, I'm a sucker for that a little bit. Like when a band says the name of a song in the song or whatever. But, you know, the last thing that's said in the episode is by Ryoko. And she says, no need for discussions. I mean... I mean, that's a chef's kiss as far as I'm concerned, so. Number five on the list, Tenchi in Tokyo, episode 10, Ryoko's Big Date. Not a whole lot that you can say to describe that other than Ryoko and Tenchi have set up a date, and they go on that date, and it's pretty sweet. Uh, up top, I just want to say I'm really happy that an episode of Tenchi in Tokyo made this list, especially so high up. I mean, number five, Tenchi in Tokyo for a long time in the franchise has sort of been viewed as like the black sheep. It's it's almost forgotten about if it's even brought up at all, but it's really not deserved that reputation. I don't know if it ever did deserve that reputation, but certainly in recent years, it's really had a renaissance in terms of people willing to give it a second look and appreciate it for what it is and the differences and the ways it was able to strike out on its own. And I'm just really, I'm, I'm happy that it got representation in this list. I'm proud of you, Tenchi fandom. You've done good. As for this episode itself, I mean, what can I say? I am a sucker for Ryoko episodes, and this one is one of the best from any of the series in the franchise. And that's saying something, because Tenchi in Tokyo can be a bit of a rough watch for diehard Ryoko fans. She really, uh, th she goes through some stuff in this series. I mean, she quits the show, essentially, for a number of episodes just because of the, the events that happened to her in this one. But this episode is really an episode where she gets to shine. She gets to show a side of herself that we really don't get to see in any of the other series in the franchise. She's she's doing her best to fit into Tenshi and meet him where he is uh, in his life, not trying to bring him to her and, and make him adapt to her. And she's out of her comfort zone, but at the same time, really 
making an effort to be with Tenchi in a way that is sustainable and could work with his life. And it's it's just a charming episode. I mean, they, they do wonderful things on their date. You really get to see the heart of their relationship, even though you know where it ends up later on in the show. I mean, it's it's still heartwarming, even if it's a bit heartbreaking. And I love this episode. It did make my top 10, and I'm happy that it made the top 10 list. I It's definitely not the best of the best, but I, I think it deserves a spot in, in a top 10 list. I'm glad that we finally have a I mean Tokyo episode on the list, although it was not on mine. So yeah, this episode was fun because yeah, Tenchi went on his date with Ryoko, and then you had Sakuya, who's like, I also want to go on a date with Tenchi. And she also left a message on his answering machine, but got ignored for Sakuya. It was also funny in the beginning because like, Ryoko comes out, face full of makeup, and everybody's laughing at her. You know, she's crying. It's really funny. I'm saying this as a convert, folks, much like Chuck has said, Tenshi in Tokyo is better than you remember, all right? You all watched it like I did when you were like 12 or 13 years, years old, and we saw Sakia, we hated her, and we said, to heck with that episode, like Chuck said. That's a black sheep, we don't talk about that. Watch it again sometime, it's great. And this is one of the reasons it's great, though. And again, being on uh, number five on a list of Tenshi episodes anyway, if we had movies included, well, that would have been in quite the landscape, wouldn't it? But as far as episodes go, all these years, 30 years, number five, you all chose Ryoko's Big Date. And you know, even the most ardent Tenchi in Tokyo naysayers, you could always make them be quiet when you went, what about that one episode? What about the one where Tenchi and Ryoko go on a date? What about that one? Nobody could say anything to that. Because like many other ways that you will see if you watch it again, Tenchi in Tokyo does things and gives us things that no other Tenchi incarnation does. And it's almost sad to say, here we are 30 years looking back, no other Tenchi incarnation really does this. They go on a proper date and Ryoko gets all dressed up and Tenchi's like, wow, she actually, she actually looks really cute when she cleans up and isn't, you know, drunk and breaking the furniture and, and whatever else. Again, a lot of people probably for maybe the wrong reasons you could say, but as Kiyami mentioned, you, you, oh, you hate Sakya? Well, you're going to love this episode because she gets left out in the cold and waiting by that phone back in the days before texting. And it's so sad. Poor Sakya and all of us who are, uh, you know, Ryoko fans, we're going, yes, haha. Um, for you, Aika fans, a, a nice consolation prize I can offer for you is look into the Okuda manga and there might be something in there for you. And it's a similar title. I think it's the big date. So again, like we've said before, different mediums and different versions, they can they can mix it up. They can do different things. So in this one, we finally get that. And you know, Tenchi's name is on, <laughs> it's it's on the door, right? No, Tenchi's name is, is in the title of most of these series, Tenchi Moyo and whatnot. But this episode shows the fact that people, even the naysayers to Tokyo had to give it up for this. The fact that it's number five on this list shows that, you know what? Tenchi's name might be in the title, but it's Ryoko's show, baby. I'm sorry, everybody, but it is. And this this just shows it. it. It's I like what Chuck said. It's charming. It's fan service in the cleanest and purest definition of that word. It's just, you know, 1997, a little later for uh, a lot of us outside of Japan. But Tenchi fans, we finally got that and we had deserved it. We waited. It was it was owed. It was it was deserved and it was wonderful. I've had a bit of a dance with Tokyo 
this one didn't make my top 10. And th- here's the thing. For the longest time, I was one of those naysayers, as who would say I'm a convert, as you might imagine. Back when I was getting into Tenchi, as was mentioned before, I saw the movies, I saw Universe, I got into the OVA. But I always heard about this one series that hadn't been brought to the States yet that was airing in Japan at the time, uh, which was Tenchi in Tokyo. And I'd heard that it was going to be a sequel to Universe, which is my favorite incarnation of the show ever. And I hear that they've changed art styles radically that they've changed some of the voice actors, that it's not going to be a sequel to the universe anymore, that all this stuff has changed, and there's this new girl who's going to steal Tenchi away from the, from everybody else and s- break up the family. And I'm like, no, no, that can't that can't be the way this goes down. And similarly, I had trouble with Tenchi Moon Love 2 for a similar reason, because I was young and I was idealistic. It's like, no, you can't break up the true love. That's not that's not how this works. That, that's, that's not how the Force works. And... I took the longest time. I never watched Tenshi in Tokyo for the longest time. Then when I was, I think I was either in graduate school or I had just gotten my first first uh, professional job. I sat down and said, I'm going to sit down and watch this show now. I want to see what this is like. So I was in my late 20s, early 30s. I sat down and watched it cover to cover. And I realized something. This is actually one of the best shows that I've seen because it takes chances. It takes you to places that are different, that are trying, that will test you. And I rewatched this episode today before this cast, because unlike OVA 1 and Universe that I know almost by memory, this show is not one that I've watched very repetitively, because in some places, it's a hard watch. If you want to have broken hearts... This is the show to watch. This this will push you. This is this is a this is more of a drama show. It's got its action moments certainly, especially near the end. But this episode in particular, it had a lot of heart in it. You see Ryoko trying to make herself look pretty for Tenchi to bring Tenchi over to her. Like you see her trying, and that's the thing I think Tenchi finally accepts near the end of the episode is yeah, Ryoko's trying to 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 be with me in this moment. She's she's uh, not trying to be the brash drunken space pirate. She's trying to be a lady for me. And that turns his heart a little bit, makes him look at her a different way. But at the same time, Sakuya gets left out in the cold. Her calls don't get returned. She waits at that fountain all day on a weekend, which again, Tenshi and Sakuya are going to a prestigious Tokyo high school at this point. So their time is limited. They've got stuff they need to get done. They've got homework to do and whatnot. They're in crunch school, basically. And Saki is burning time trying to be with Tenshi, and he blows her off. And here's the fun thing. After Ryoko and Tenshi have a nice little sweet moment, and she flies off, and he's feeling all good, that's when Sakuya walks up. And he's like, uh, you can immediately see he done messed up. And he knows he messed up. And he tries to explain it away. It's like, uh, Saki, I can explain. I can explain. Uh, baby, ba- baby, please. I can explain. And she's like, oh, no, no, I understand. And I got the feels today watching this episode because I've been in that place. When I was 17, 18 years old and watched this thing for the first time, I hadn't completely been in that place yet. I had, I was a late bloomer. What can I say? I hadn't broken any hearts or had my heart broken yet. But this, now that I'm in my, now I'm in my 40s now, I've, I've been in that place. I've been on both sides of that equation. I know that feel. And that moment took me back to that feel. How dare you, Tenshi Tokyo, making me feel. 
I will echo the statement that Chuck said and that I am, at the very least, I am happy that Tenchi Fandom could come together and vote and get a Tenchi in Tokyo episode into the top 10. It was in my top 10. And I will also echo the sentiment of Pi and Who. You know, when I first saw Tenchi in Tokyo on Toonami, I didn't hate it, but I was not a fan for, I mean, the reasons that so many people did. When you watch it, it feels like, how could Tenchi, how could this girl Sakuya steal Tenchi? How could she do that? Well, here's the thing. Tenchi in Tokyo, in my mind, easily could be argued for being the best Tenchi series just by virtue of the fact it didn't do the same thing over again. And it took chances. And it took a lot of chances. And it pushed Tenchi fans to a place that they were not ready to go. Especially in the US, but in Japan as well. It took chances that I don't think Tenchi fandom was ready for, but it, they needed to take those chances. And like Pi said, like if you're not, if you haven't been in that place before, it's harder to look at these episodes and look at them with any kind of not only a critical eye, but just empathy. You know, like you look at it and you go, oh my god, I've been there. This episode in particular is so great and others have said many great things about it. But the thing that Pi touched on that I really love that you will miss it if you're not paying attention and you are thinking with that 20-year-old mindset of when you first watched it on Toonami and you're now doing a game of telephone with your memories and the only thing that you remember from those memories is that you didn't like it when you were eight years old well trust me go back right now and watch these episodes and it'll be like you rediscovering lost gold that you thought was dirt in this episode you see in even just this episode a transformation of both tenchi and ryoko you see ryoko start out as her brash self and you see Tenchi start out as his, oh, geez. And then as the episode goes on, you see both of them have character development. Ryoko is like, you know what? I'm going to do this for Tenchi. I'm not going to be submissive. I'm not going to get slapped around by his 14th mother-in-law who came from Planet Who Cares. I'm going to, I'm going to make him want to be with me. And she does. And Tenchi is still like, oh, man. But as the date goes on... Tenchi goes, as who said, he goes, wow, this is really fun. And he starts having a good time. And they start to see a dimension of each other. Something that you will never see in any other Tenchi series on that level, other than in Tokyo and in little moments like this in this episode. And that's why it made my top 10. Because it's, it's a diamond. Number four. Tenchi Universe, Episode 13, Time and Space Adventures, Part 3. Starting off in Mihoshi's world, where she is apparently married to Tenchi, but Ryoko does not care about that. And then, of course, ending in Ryoko's world, where they are basically Bonnie and Clyde before they go back. So, yeah, I mean, I don't have too much to say about Time and Space Adventures Part 3 that I didn't already mention up top on number 10 with Time and Space Adventures Part 2. I mean, they are sort of an odd duck in the uh, community. I mean, they're really like a variety show, like I said. These two particular vignettes, I find, 
I think are the two strongest. I think they definitely saved them for last for a reason. I really liked Mihoshi's world. It was it was charming. It was of all of the worlds that they were in, it, it felt like that they were the most happy there and comfortable. It really made sense all of the the roles that everybody played, but obviously the one that everyone really remembers and Far and away, the best one of these little vignettes is uh, Ryoko's world. She really gets to shine. She wants to make her perfect world for herself and Tenchi. And of course, her perfect world involves crime sprees and uh, living life dangerously and on the edge and to its fullest. And she's really got to learn the lesson that Tenchi, he's really not in it for that. And so even if she she makes this quote-unquote perfect world for the two of them, it's perfect for her, but not necessarily for him. And so, I mean, therein lies the the central drama of the whole idea of these uh, time and space adventures, and it really leads to some absolutely classic shots of them in the Ferris wheel, them on the roof of the car, and it really, it's a good meditation, and it's a great way to really and this particular phase of universe and as it heads out into space in the next arc because it is it's up to Ryoko she's the one who who makes the choice to go back and to live in the quote unquote not perfect world but the world that's real the world where everybody's together for good or for bad and it's a good episode it was not in my top 10 i i think like i said with the other episode there are just there are more impactful episodes that that stick with me more but if i were going to put a time and space adventures in my top 10 it would definitely be this one and i can see why people did episode 13 it's another brilliant part of the fun time and space adventure and yeah this was definitely on my list yeah we have mihoshi's world which is a fun little romp but and with her being married to tenchi with sasami as her kid a pesky sister-in-law that's actually aika I don't know that she was actually truly happy in this, but she was always getting together with her BFF Kiyone. Ryoko's world was definitely my favorite here because of how gorgeous it was. So gorgeous and perfect that, you know, she had such you know, a difficult time giving it up. But yeah, and the, the music was beautiful. And I'm glad Kiyami mentioned the music uh, in that one. How could I almost forget? Lovely song, Forevermore, I think is the title in English. And I think it's sung by Ai Urikasa in. Japanese, if I if uh, memory serves, which of course is the is the voice of Ryoko. I enjoyed this episode. I Mahoshi's world is quite odd to me, and uh, it it was it was fun. It was really funny, uh, particularly Jennifer Darling <laughs> as Aika and and Aika in this role where she's just you know just just this nitpicky, uh, <laughs> just always on Mahoshi's case about every little thing. And that's, of course, why one of the reasons I find it so odd that, you know, this is Mahoshi's world that she crafted and she has a stay-at-home mother-in-law who just has basically nothing else to do other than just criticize every little thing she does. And, and it's, it's to comedic effect. But you wonder, did something get, did she press a wrong key when she was making her world? And then there's also like, well, okay, we know Mahoshi has an affinity for Kione, but beyond that, it's like, well... Why does she construct the world the way she does? And I don't have time to go into that. I couldn't begin to tell you, but it's it's very odd that we don't really we see a little bit in OVA, but in universe we don't see you know we don't see Mahoshi crushing on Tenchi. That that does doesn't ever really come up. And yet here she imagines she's married to him, but Tenchi's kind of part of this whole package of domesticity that perhaps on some level Mahoshi must want again she's she's got the husband she's got the kid she's got the the cat she's got the pet 
you know, and, uh, and then of course, Ryoko is kind of messing things up by uh, not really having any respect, apparently, for boundaries, uh, her boundaries or Tenchi's boundaries or the boundaries of marriage, anything of the sort. She's just going to have her way. And if you somehow haven't seen this, I recommend you do at some point. But getting to Ryoko's, there's a lot of similarities here to that, her world, as we see in Mahoshi's special, the casting of the characters, Mahoshi and Kione as the police, the detectives looking into this. Ryoko is the criminal. Aika is the is the rich girl who's frustrated at the, at the competence, as she would say, of, of the police. And Tenchi's kind of just all, you know, caught up in it. It's a fun episode. Can't really add more than what's been said. And uh, just kind of a callback to b- before what we were saying, if you like those Tenchi Ryoko moments here where there's you know, there's some drama, there's some, we need to hash things out and figure each other out and all of that going on. Tenchi in Tokyo has that times 10, you know, and, and so this is kind of, we, we get a, a little bit later into uh, the later episodes we, we alluded to a little bit earlier in universe, but this is kind of the deepest that universe gets in that arena. And again, that's not a bad thing. As Dagon said earlier about criticisms of universe, maybe it's, it's not super deep. And that's okay, though, I think, for what it is, a fun adventure series that has a little bit of everything. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on conclusion to the time and space adventures. If we were talking about just purely universe episodes, all three time and space episodes would actually end up on my top 10. But sadly, this was all series, so this one did not make my top 10. But uh, not to say that they wouldn't have ended up close to the top 10. This is also one of my favorite episodes of Universe. Starting with Mahoshi's world, we could speculate all day as to what in the world Mahoshi was thinking with this. Having listened to everyone and thinking to myself as to why Mahoshi would have made this life for herself. Again, the idea was the, gen- the, the seed for all of this is the machine would grant you your ideal world. Or perhaps what you've been told is your ideal world. It's entirely possible that Mahoshi could have been told that domestic life is the place that she should be in for a long time. And she's trying to craft that to the best of her ability. So who's the closest male to her age? Which, okay, Tenshi. Okay, cast him as the husband. Ryoko, she's a woman with a dark past. Okay, she's a widow. Aika briefly has a off-the-cuff thing of, Ryoko, you're a widow. Maybe you should act with a little bit more decorum. Aika's casting is very interesting to me as well, and it's something that's actually stuck with me for a while. Mahoshi, at least in this particular incarnation, casts Aika as Tenshi's sister. So essentially, she's Mahoshi's sister-in-law. Consequently... Mahoshi at least sees Ayaka as kind of Tenchi's sister figure. So around him, in his neighborhood, in his family circle, but not directly tied to him, as in maritally. So there's a family connection, but it's not a marriage connection. And that's that stuck with me, as if Ayaka was not a fiancé for Tenchi or was not trying for Tenchi's affections, what would she be? And a sisterly role, a guidance sisterly role, seems like something that kind of works. Fan fiction to come later. But anyway, that's all I can say about Mahoshi's world. And But for Ryoko's world, the Bonnie and Clyde setting, chef's kiss. I love love that setting. Ryoko's in her element, doing the things she knows how to do. That's her world. It's dangerous. It's full of adventure. It's dodging cops. It's dodging bullets. It's robbing banks. It's doing what she wants. She's a free spirit. She can do whatever she wants, and she don't give any care about what anyone else wants. It's just her and her tenshi until he says no. And he says he wants to go home. And that's when the two of them have 
basically as close to an argument as you ever really see the two of them get into, and especially at odds about something specific like this. She wants this life for them. He doesn't want this life for them. He cares about her, certainly. There's actually a song on one of the Image albums for Tenshi Muyo, which is Very Nice Boy, and that's Tenshi. He's been a very nice guy. I <laughs> I sometimes think of this as our friendly neighborhood who. He's, uh, he's very accommodating, almost to a fault. But there are lines, and this is one of Tenshi's lines, of like, look, this isn't real. We should go home. We, don't you want to go home, Ryoko? And that crushes part of her you see it in her face you hear it in the in vocal inflections in both language tracks she wanted this this was her gift to him and he's rejecting it and that makes her flash out she says no i want this world this is my world not keeping it and she just darts away and then she's alone and while OVA1 focuses on this a little bit more, and says, uh, especially in that weird 13.5 episode of she doesn't like being alone. She doesn't like darkness and closed spaces. Almost ended up back in that damn cave. But in this episode, you see that there's a little tinge of that too with Ryoko. She's a free spirit, but she's always been alone. She wants someone to share her life with. She wants that high adventure, but she she's had a taste of someone that she cares about, and she doesn't want to get rid of that either. So ultimately, after she thinks about it, has a think and a feel about it, she comes back and says, you know what? You're right. This isn't real. And then at the end of the episode, as, as they're counting down to everything going back to normal, she grabs Tenshi's hand. And I don't know if this is her monologuing or if they are actually saying this because their mouths don't move, but I'm assuming they're talking to each other in this moment. But Ryoko says to Tenshi, I'm going to take you on an adventure one day, just you and me. I'm still waiting for that, by the way, AIC. I'm sitting here. I'm waiting. I'm still waiting. And that's a poignant moment because after that moment, later in the episode, at the very end, right before the credits, it's totally voiceless. Tenshi walks down the walks walks down the stairs. He's holding an apple and tosses up to Ryoko, and they just have a moment. She doesn't try and grab him or seduce him. She just sits on top of the of the archway, and he leans against the archway, and the two of them just look look out at the at the field. Just a quiet moment, and they just acknowledge that something's changed. And spoiler, episode fourteen starts similarly the two of them talking and walking and just saying ryoko says i'd love to keep it this way forever tenshi and there's a tinge of kind of sadness there of is this going to stay this way forever and i think that motivates things like ryoko's big date in tenshi in tokyo you you want to see the characters progress and not have to start over every time and this is one of those moments where there is some progression not not a lot but there's a little this did not make my top 10, but the time and space adventures are iconic. I mean, the, the name of the arc, as soon as you say that to any fan, they know exactly what you're talking about. I definitely think that this is, this is the one unlike part two, which I was surprised about being on the list. This one, I'm not surprised at all that it made it specifically for Ryoko's world and the moments that Tenchi and Ryoko share. And it's funny too, because... In Ryoko's perfect world, Tenchi is engaged to Aika, and yet she still she steals him away. And, you know, she kind of flips it on everybody else where they just expect Ryoko to take him away. Her perfect world is stealing him, not having him with her automatically, but her stealing him away from someone. But I also like, again, that 
you know, Tenji still kind of goes along with it. I mean, you could say, oh, you know, he's a rock, you know, she's, she might have him at gunpoint or something, but like, even then, Tenji still kind of goes along with it. And so, a lot of what, again, makes Tenchi Muyo, Tenchi Muyo is seen in this episode. It's very, very good in those poignant moments between them. And Ryoko having to give up her perfect world to go back to the real world. That character development, it's great. Absolutely great. And it's one of the reasons, as we've seen so far from the list, why so many people love Tenchi Universe. It's like, it's moments like that that really stick out in people's minds. We're getting into the top three. Number three. Tenchi Universe, episode 24, No Need for Ryoko. Ryoko has a secret that she's keeping from everybody. Nagi, naturally, points that out. Ryoko says that she will take Tenchi to Kagato, no matter what it costs. There was never any doubt that this one was going to be on the top 10. I mean, this is the quintessential Ryoko episode, and... It's easy to understand why. I mean, this is her at her most vulnerable and at her best. This is where she really becomes the hero of the show, whereas she's sort of been skirting that role all throughout these other series and this and this show in particular. She wants to play the bad girl. She's always putting on a very selfish persona, but this is where all that character growth that we've been talking about in all these previous episodes, this is where it culminates. And she really gets to save the day in a way that is both fulfilling, but also absolutely devastating. We talk about drama and how Tenshi Universe, I guess, while maybe shallow in terms of plot, for lack of a better word, is heavy on drama. And I mean, this is the most dramatic of the, the whole series of dramatic episodes, which makes up the ending four episodes of the show. And it's just, it's gripping television from beginning to end. And I distinctly recall being deeply affected by the ending of this episode when I first saw it as a kid. And it's, it doesn't pull punches. I mean, obviously on the Toonami version, they censored her blood from that iconic final shot of her hand falling. But I mean, even with that... The the implication was clear, even to a kid watching the show at the time. I mean, she was laying down her life for the first time in her life for a cause that she had nothing to gain from. In fact, everything to lose from. And it made you have to tune in to see if she was going to make it. And it's probably one of the most memorable parts of the entire franchise. So it was, without a doubt, on my top 10 list. It's probably in my top three, if not my top two or one. And I would be shocked if this was not on the vast majority of people's top 10 list. And it obviously was. It's number three. This episode made a lot of us, Toonami kids, cry or, you know, visibly upset. It's like, heck, is Ryoko dead? Now that Ryoko loved Tenchi. She gave up everything to help him achieve his mission here. How she survived is, uh, we, we never really found out how she survived, but, you know, I kind of like how Tenchi Universe let us fill in those blanks. I did not put this on my list because it was very traumatic. Sometimes, depending on my mood, you know, there's what episodes are my favorites, the, the go-tos, the feel-goods, and what are the ones I think that are deserving of being on the top shelf? You know, one that didn't make it here, but for me, I was going back and forth on that as well, was episode 17 of Tenchi in Tokyo. 
which is a beautiful episode, but it is devastating. It's devastating. So is it my favorite? Is it, I, I, I don't know. So this one, I'm in a similar situation here. And I, much like I think I said earlier when we were talking about the next episode of Universe, No Need for a Showdown, where there's so much other stuff going on, but you're getting towards the end and you're like, well, where, where, where's, where's Ryoko? Where's the part where you told me that ah, Ryoko's okay? You know, you're, you're left hanging. 24 is where that punch is. And, you know, you, you see that with, yeah, you know, she's saying things that in a lot of action movies and stuff, it's like, this is the kind of stuff people say. And you go, hey, 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 stay with me here. Stay with me. And Ryoki is probably saying that, albeit in Ryoki form. And she's meowing and she's very concerned and, and, and uh, upset. And uh, as are we viewers. And I'm glad Chuck and Kiyami said this. And speaking of character development across series, even in OVA one, Ryoko goes and it's it's badass. She's going, let's let's get Kagato. She's going to avenge Tenchi. She thinks Tenchi's dead. And then we talked about Time and Space Adventures Part Three, where she steals Tenchi away. She constructs this perfect world for him and kind of seeing him as an accessory to her life rather than what does he really want? And we've talked a lot about that on this cast about relationships and compromise and meeting someone halfway. And, you know, we see that Ryoko in universe where she's, she's saying tearfully, I could just steal you away. I could do that right now. I could just steal you away if I wanted to. But ultimately Tenshi makes his decision as Pai said earlier and Ryoko makes hers. And this time she's not fighting for Tenshi to get Tenshi to obtain Tenshi. She is fighting on behalf of Tenshi. She is, uh, if you're learning Spanish out there, people, this is poor and para right here. This is, this is the nightmare that that is. So she is, she is fighting. She's not fighting for Tenchi. She's fighting for Tenchi, what he wants. And again, it's been said character development, incredible action. Ryoko, as Chuck said, being this heroic figure. And uh, you even got that badass rivalry thing going on with Nagi. You know, Nagi sees that she's obviously not in good shape and doesn't quite say uh doesn't really articulate niceties oh are you okay or concern or something but just says it you know in that badass way of nah it's too easy right now nah no you you get better then we'll fight kind of thing and i i also like stuff like that and you usually see that in a lot of uh you know shonen-y type uh, series uh you know maybe dragon ball z or something like that but you know we get a little bit of that here with nagi and it is a gut-wrenching episode. It's a fantastic episode. And we're now into, I think, where the top three, pretty much they they match up with my top three. And so th this one was definitely in my top 10 for sure. This episode is another one that's a contender for my favorite episode of the franchise, bar none. I remember watching this episode on VHS back in the late 90s. I remember buying the tape putting it in because the last tape I had watched ended at episode 22, which was the resurrection of the Knights. And I'm like, okay, I'm down. The, the battle's going down. Then I watch episode 23 and I'm like, everybody gets wrecked. Then I'm like, Oh Jesus. I get into episode 24. Again, I'm watching on some VHS tape in the late nineties. This is before Toonami. So this was uncensored. I see Ryoko's side bleeding while she's alone in her bedroom, which by the way, we never really see Ryoko's bedroom before this point. So in this case, we're in Ryoko's, Sanctum Sanctorum. We're in her Holy of Holies, her Ryoko cave in the house, and she's bleeding, and she ain't bleeding good either. And she says the words, it's a whole new game now. Things have changed. Everything was happy-go-lucky adventures, and oh, we narrowly escaped, but everything's gonna be great. Episode 23 wrecked everyone, which 
episode 23 is on my top 10 as well for obvious reasons. But that episode changes everything. The mood of the show changes from happy-go-lucky adventures to oh no what's it almost becomes as who said a shown an action show in a way because the stakes are raised we have a major threat that is not just playing with us like nagi was kagato don't care he wants to win and he's going to win he's got his prize he's just going to sit on his throne and if tenshi runs away cool if tenshi comes i'm going to knock him down and kill him like the rest and everything's going to be hunky-dory for me he's got all the cards Ryoko, on the other hand, was up to this point, Ryoko's been kind of your best weapon. She's out. Now what do you do? And you have Tenchi sitting at his grandfather's side, wondering if his elderly grandfather, who was the strongest man in his life, if he's going to live. Kagato wrecked him just as much as everybody else. The two knights were bested by Kagato. Two of them together against this guy. And Tenchi is lost. His grandfather hands him this magical sword, which, by the way, the Tenshiken has not been seen in the universe until episode 23. So this is a new thing for the show. I'm watching this. The sword comes out for the first time. And I'm like, oh, wow, this great lightsaber. Wait, what? He just got wrecked? Oh, God, what are, what are we doing now? I'm with Tenshi in this. I was like, what am I going to do? The weight of the world, everyone is depending on me to be able to step up and do this. Washu's yelling in his face. It's like, I'm depending on you to take Kagato down. Nobody else can do it. And Tenshi's just sitting there trying to figure this out. And then in the hallway, he leaves his grandfather and he starts walking through the hallway. He's made his decision. He's going to do it. And again, I love this episode because Tenshi has agency. He has to decide. He could run, but he doesn't. He walks down the hallway. Ryoko is standing, just leaning against the wall nonchalantly. She's bandaged herself up to make herself look nice. She's putting on a good front. But she says, you could die. You know that, right? And he's like, Maybe. He's not sure, but he's he set his mind to it. And Ryoko gives him one last chance and says, Tenshi, we could run away. None of this matters to us. We, I've got no stake in this game. You don't really have a stake in this game. We could drive nothing to us. We could just go. Deep down, I think she knows that it's not going to happen. But she makes that one last stand. She holds her hand up to Tenshi. It's like, Tenshi, I could, t- I could steal you away if I wanted to. Then she breaks. She breaks down. She breaks down and just embraces him and just pleads, don't do this. Don't do this. You will die. I don't want that to happen. And he's like, I can't forsake Aika. She's in the middle of this. And he hurt my grandfather. This is my fight. I'm in this. And Ryoko's realized she's lost. She can't stop him. As strong as she is, she can't turn him around. So she does one thing that you haven't seen her do up to this point in Tenshi Universe. She suits up into that iconic red and black battle suit for the first time in the show. And I was like, oh my God, things have gotten serious. Nagi walks in and says, what are you doing? You are so injured. You're not even going to make it to the palace. And she's like, just watch me. She put, again, she puts up a good front. She puts up a damn good front. Nagi sees right through it. And Nagi makes a choice because Nagi's got no, no stake in this game either. I mean, she, she wants Ryoko, but that's all she really wants. She doesn't care about Jirai. But then, turns out, she ends up turning and helping him too. And then you see, I say, probably the best ruse in the game, in the game, in the show. Ryoki flying in. Just quiet. No music. Ryoki flies in. All the ships turn and chase Ryuoki because they know, they know Tenchi and or the GP is on that ship. So half the fleet flies after him. 
Turns out it's Kenoki, suckers! There's another Ryoki flying in. And there's the conceit. There's that mirror image stuff that Nagishi seems to like to do with Tekken and Blade in this show and other shows that he's done. Sorry, you fell for the shadow. The real one's that way, suckers! And Ryoko does this beautiful Valkyrie-like kamikaze flight towards Jirai, blasting what she can and just going straight past all the enemies. And the knights are on board with Tenshi. And even the knights can see it. She starts bleeding through her battle costume. When they get through that battle, and long, it's a long one, it's, and it's, it hurts. They get on that planet. Ryoko puts up a front one last time, just one last time. And she says to Tenshi, I got you here, but you don't think I'm going to help you save that other woman, do you? And Tenshi's smiling, just like, no, nah, I didn't think you would, but we'll see you around. And she sees him one last time. The knights send her off with probably one of the best things. Just like, you have a courage of a thousand knights, Ryoko. Just, we got stuff that we got to do, but respect. They go off and they see Tenshi. And the last thing Ryoko sees before she passes out for the first time is Tenshi running off with the two knights to go battle. And then that song kicks in. The Autumn of Life, sung by Ayurkasa. And I'm not going to lie. I'm about to tear up right now. Second to the death of Optimus Prime when I was six years old, that scene right there, that broke me. After seeing Ryoko die and the blood flow from her hand, I wanted to see Kagato dead. This is one of the best episodes in the show. If you don't watch this episode, why are you watching Tenchi? Out of all of Tenchi Universe, this episode absolutely deserves to be in the top three for sure. I mean, it's in my top ten as well. There's so many moments. I'm a moments guy. Like, if you give me a moment that I'll never forget... There's not a whole lot more you can do for me. Like, give me those moments. Give me give me that stuff that I'll never forget. And the ending to this episode, I mean, I remember watching it as so many people did, Toonami, and just being like, they can't, it can't end that way, right? Like, it can't. But it's because of that, going into the next episode, and eventually into the finale, it's why those are so good. And it's why they have the, the oomph and the presence that they do because of moments like that. It literally ed- echoing everything Pi said. Like, this is one of the reasons that Tenshi Universe is so beloved and, you know, is liked by so many people is because of episodes like that. Number two on our list, we're almost done, folks. Tenshi Muyo, Ryooki, OVA 1, Episode 1. Ryoko Resurrected. The beginning of it all. September 25th, 1992. 30 years, Tenchi, the boy from Okuyama, is told by his grandfather, don't go down into that cave. He does, and he unleashes Ryoko. And the rest, as they say, is 30 years of history. I think you said it all. I mean, this is the big one. This is the one that launched the ship, and (laughs) literally and figuratively. It's got everything. It's the perfect intro to not only the franchise, but really, I mean, it's it's the perfect first episode of almost any anime you can think of. I mean, it's it cracked the code to 90s anime in a way I think that no other show up to that point had. I mean, you were still in the era of long-running, serialized shows, shows that relied on long arcs or what we would call quote-unquote filler, but Tenchi was something new. Tenchi was a tight six-episode OVA that knew exactly what it was going to do and didn't waste time getting there. 
And the first episode was such a strong start to that. It really grabbed your attention with just the setting, the rural Japan, Shinto shrine, mysterious cave. I mean, the world was, it felt so inviting and so lived in and you wanted to be there. You wanted to go explore the caves and find the Tenshikin. Then it sort of flips on its head halfway through, and now you're back in very familiar settings. Uh, high school, normal day, and the way that it, it... Suddenly everything is different now is just fantastic. I mean, Ryoko blowing up the school, chasing Tenshi, really toying with him, and, I mean, honestly, like, beating the crap out of him. She is not pulling her punches in this fight, regardless of what they may retcon it later iterations of the OVA. But it's just a really fun episode, and it's certainly the best way to start this wonderful franchise. It was in my top 10, as I'm sure it was in probably almost everyone's top 10, and it deserves to be. R.I.P. Tenchi's School. <laughs> so yeah, this actually wasn't the first episode of Tenchi I saw. Mine was uh, Hoshi's premiere episode. You know, it just pulls you in. Compared to the universe, it's like, I don't know, it's got like the darker, like a little bit older art style... And, you know, just transports you to rural Japan and Shinto Shrine. And, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. This is certainly in my top ten. And my rated second, only 2-1, and we'll get to that. And it's not to say that after the first episode, oh, what? So it, it's only downhill from there. It doesn't get better than that. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying here. It's, I don't think that's what any of us are saying. We're looking back, right? And we're looking at, as has been said, put your best foot forward. Start on a good note. And... That has to support all the episodes and, and so forth that, that comes after it. The first episode of Tenchi Muyo is perfect. It's perfect. In every way, it's perfect. As Chuck said, Hayashi, there's not a lot of fat to trim in anything that uh, he's in charge of. So the pacing just, it keeps it moving. And yet somehow at the same time, we have these moments, uh, like Dagon said, when Tenchi's on the, the rooftop or the very opening of the episode where it feels so leisurely you know i started out with tenchi moyo july 3rd the year 2000 as many listeners did i'm sure on toonami and so tenchi moyo for me was always synonymous with summer and you start out even though this was a faraway land to me watching this in in north america you hear those cicadas chirping it feels like a muggy summer afternoon and I saw on Twitter recently, I, I don't recall who said it, but somebody said that they, they were defining lore as an invitation to care about a world. And I love that. I'm going to use that forever now. Because as convoluted as Tenshi Muyo gets later, and some might say there's, there's more and more lore, not everybody has the same definition of what that even is, let alone what that should do, or if more or less is good or bad. And Chuck said that moments ago. It invites you in. It's so inviting. It's so captivating. To a lot of Japanese viewers, it would have been, wow, it's a Shinto shrine somewhere. There's a quaintness to that. There's a warmth of familiarity. There's a, a tranquility that somebody, you know, in the big city, you know, might be nostalgic for or, or wistfully longing for. Then for those of us outside of Japan, there was a, a lot of us, this was kind of our gateway into anime, if you will. It was so exotic to us. And it really did, you know, even Okayama Prefecture, that's a, that's a real place you can go to. And even Ryoko's Cave, it's a real place. But along with the laser swords and the, the flying demon chick and the spaceships that come later, it all felt so exotic 
It all felt so strange, but wonderful and, and, and inviting. And that's what the first episode of Tenshi Muyo does. And it does it to a T. It invites you in. You know, I recall, um, again, in an interview somewhere, Hayashi was saying that that first episode really, it's mostly, there's, there's Katsuhito, of course, but it, it's mostly like a dialogue, really. It's, it's between Ryoko and Tenshi. And that's probably one of the reasons that it's so high on the list, quite frankly. I mean, there's so much, everything about it is great as we're raving and talking about here. But Hayashi made that remark. Matt Miller and Patria Burchard, the English voices of Tenchi and Ryoko, have remarked about that. They recorded it together as opposed to being in you know separate recording sessions. I even see uh, the Chilean Spanish dub. They did that. The, the actors for Tenchi and Ryoko, respectively, were doing it together. So I think that's also a part, even though we might not think of it first thing, I think that's also something that really just lends to this being so popular is because it's it's Ryoko and Tenchi mostly and we see this where Tenchi starts at the beginning of this episode as a curious kid who of course when grandpa says don't go in the cave that means I'm for sure going in the cave I gotta see what's down there well he saw what was down there and what was down there was adolescence in a way and 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 all of this <laughs> budding masculinity and so forth and he comes back home and what was down in that cave is now waiting for him at home in bed welcome home tenchi and it was like the uh the, the series itself was was saying to us as viewers welcome to tenchi muyo my nostalgia for this episode is a little bit different than everyone else's since i again saw universe first but i do remember buying the vhs tape back in college popping it in. I've watched it, all of Universe. I've watched the first film. First, Tenshi Muyo in Love was my first DVD, oddly enough. And I pop in this tape of just Tenshi Muyo. I'm like, okay, what's this about? Pop it in. And it's a fresh start. It's completely new. Uh, it's it's weird. This is the, I had, my experience was the reverse of most people who saw Tenshi Muyo Ryooki OVA 1 and 2 first. So I pop this in and the atmosphere is already kind of different. The art style is much more theatrical. It's much more refined. Even though it was made earlier, it's, it had a higher. It clearly has a higher budget, and the atmosphere is more serious, much more slow. You you have the chirping cicadas, as who said. You you have the introduction of Katsuhito, and I'm like, huh, okay, so this is this is a reboot. Okay, cool, I can do this. And I watch the show, and first few scenes actually have no music, and I remember distinctly thinking. This is more like a horror movie. This is st starting out much more like a horror film. You have this one guy, he's told there's a legend about the demon in the cave and don't go in there. That's a, that, remember what your name means. And it's, you have all these, all these, all this vagary around it. So he goes to the cave. He starts exploring it again. No music, no music through any of this. He's just walking through the cave. And I recognize the cave because I saw Universe. And it's like, hey, this is Washu's cave. Okay, go down there. And and turns out, no, it's there's a there's a zombie. There is there's a corpse down there. Well, that's pleasant. He looks back. That corpse is rising out of the liquid. And Tenchi's all like, oh Jesus, what the fuck is and then suddenly branches from out of nowhere. Okay, that's a thing. I'm out of here. Woof. And he proceeds to hightail it out of there. I will say, in terms of like tension and drama and just getting you into the mood, this one, this one drips mood. 
so much more than many of the other episodes, which is not only is it the first episode of the entire franchise, but I'd say it's the one that get that nails the ho- kind of spiritual horror atmosphere. Even when he goes to the high school, he goes to the high school and he's reflecting upon everything that happened. Then he falls asleep. Then he's woken up by mysterious noises and ghost cat that disappears. And oh no, no, the, the corpse is alive. It's it's uh, it's not not a corpse anymore. But uh, yeah, that's a thing that happened. All shenanigans start happening. You see Ryoko blow the school up. And as she's blowing it up, you have all these fearful moments of she blows up the chemistry lab. And then she see her walk out of the fire almost completely unscathed. She's singed, but she's not damaged. And she's like, that happened. Then as she's stalking him through the school, you see her shadow menacingly chasing Tenchi around. She's being a bit more playful, so you get the nice, happy, bit more happy music of uh, shenanigans going on. But there's still kind of that little edge a bit more. This this episode's a little more edgy than some of your other anime because it's the 90s and it's extreme. Well, maybe not as extreme in Japan, but you get my point. But either way, point is, this episode has a lot of things. And since it's so tightly focused, a little bit of Katsuhito, a little bit of Tenchi's school life, Nobuyuki's nowhere to be seen yet, none of the other characters are introduced, it's almost purely Ryoko and Tenchi, the two of them just getting to know each other. You see all Ryoko's powers. Some powers she doesn't have in any other series, like being able to regenerate her hand. A lot of things are introduced here, and she's put up as a formidable threat. And then she just bows and says, good night, and fades away. And Tenchi thinks, yay, it's over. Oh, it's not over. Go home, Tenchi, and find out she's in your bed waiting for you. Your adventure's just begun, son. Who put it perfectly? It's a perfect episode. And like Pi was saying, the one thing that I love so much about this episode is, well, the many things that I love about this episode, and it did make my top ten, obviously. It doesn't ever betray the character until like it may not, not even necessarily until the very end because it's too easy for people to get into the mindset of like oh this is a comedy series and therefore you remove all of that tension like if somebody's like i'm a reincarnation of the greatest badass genghis khan of all time well he's a pushover and nobody takes it seriously because the it's a comedy series that level of continuity and consistency doesn't exist tenchi muyo from the very beginning, if you're watching it and you hear about this demon, she acts like a demon throughout the entire thing. Even after there are some funny moments, like I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, it may not be the first time, but maybe like the second time that you hear music ever is Ryoko's theme. And it's playful, but they never betray how powerful Ryoko is. It's little details like that that are so greatly, sorely missed in Tenshi Muyo. And in that way, I mean, they're subtle and then not, you know, ridiculous spoon feeding BS the way it would end up being. It's so perfect. You know, as I was saying before with Tenshi Universe Episode 1, Episode 1 ever, Tenshi Muyo Ryoki OVA 1 is just like, there's nothing wrong with it. And as Chuck said, I don't know of too many episodes in anime period that are this good at being the first episode. Like, there are a lot of good first episodes out there. But the one thing that Tenchi Muyo is good at, again, is first episodes. And this first episode is like, I, I can't imagine watching this in 1992 and not thinking to yourself, like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever, ever. Because 
if you're so used to TV series or whatever, like, yeah, you get some good stuff. Sailor Moon started that year in anime form. Yu Yu Hakusho started that way in anime form. And they have great first episodes. Not a single one of them can touch Tenchi Muyo. Tenchi Muyo grabs you and immediately pulls you into that world. And you don't, not only does it not want to let go, but you don't want to leave. So absolutely worthy of the spot that it is on top 10. Finally, folks, number one on the list, Tenchi Universe, episode 26, no need for a conclusion. The conclusion to Tenchi Universe, the one where Tenchi rejects the throne and heads back to Earth, only to find that, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the series in 27 years or at any point, and or are new, spoiler alert, Ryoko lived, and she's right there waiting for Tenchi. So this one I'm not surprised at all to see at uh, number one. It is a very memorable episode. It's kind of an interesting episode in that it takes place after the finale. The drama has pretty much all resolved. Most of the episode really just deals with sort of showing where the chips landed. You get to see how everyone moved on after the climactic events of the battle on Jirai with Kagato. The gang has sort of split up. Everyone's back where they started. For the most part, it's, it's kind of a sleepy episode in comparison with the several episodes that came before. But where it really plays to its strengths is the theme of nostalgia and coming back to a feeling of what you went through together as a family, as a group of friends. It really, it's the swan song for the show in a way, but also the swan song for really the franchise up until that point. It's It ties all the threads together and then... As Dagon indicated just a few minutes ago, I mean, the real showstopper is the ending, the reveal that I'm sure everyone had been waiting on the edge of their seats for weeks to know what happened with Ryoko. And they trick you. They pull a fast one on you the first time. He sees what he thinks is Ryoko, but it's just a trick of his eyes. And then he moves on. But then he turns around and she's there in the flesh and sails through the air into his arms, and the music comes in. It's uh, Dimension of Love. And that song, I think we discussed it at length in our music podcast, but that song fit the moment so well. It was really, it was a triumph, that last scene of the last episode. And just knowing that the carnival had truly come around again and was here to stay, at least for a while, was really probably the the most heartwarming moment of the entire franchise. And this episode was in my top 10. It may not have been my top number one, but it definitely deserves to be in the top three. How fitting that this, you know, is the number one episode. It was on my list, of course. Everyone was happy. Mihoshi and Kione got promoted, and Mitsuki is bringing them terrible tea. Aiken and Sasami are on dry, but, you know, they all miss Tenshiner. So, yeah, that reveal that Ryoko was still alive, combined with the music and the cherry blossoms, it just really warms your heart. Like, the OVA will never have a conclusion like this. Well, I just want to say thank you for sticking with us, folks. And I want to say thank you for all of your votes. But I'm very proud of you for getting this one to number one. It's a great choice because, in my biased opinion... I also put it as number one for all the reasons that's been said. This is a great way to end a great series. As I'm looking at this now, going back to it, all these years, what Tenchi has meant to me, 
it really has a profundity in a personal way for me that is difficult to articulate, but I'm going to try. For longtime listeners, for those who know us from the forum or the Discord, you have probably heard us. We use this terminology. We use the metaphor of the carnival all the time. Referring to Tenchi Muyo at large, referring to our own hiatuses that come and go, and uh, we apologize for that, folks, but thank you for sticking with us. You know, it's like Kiyami said, unfortunately, where the OVA has gone, it's just, it, it's never, ever, ever going to have something like this, ever. It's gone the way of a lot of just that harem-y garbage, I said it, where it's all about the collection of these exotic girls, right? But once they're all in the home... Right. It's like, oh, I, I like Pokemon. I collected it. I got it. It's mine now. Right. I locked that down with Tenchi Universe, though. And we returned where we started. But remember, going somewhere and coming back is not the same as having never went away at all. So we go back with that framing device that we saw in the first episode. And we're now in this present after all of this stuff that has happened. And what is the denouement? What is the resolution to that? And we see, well, Aika and Sasami, I, I guess summer's over, right? Gotta go back to school. I guess Aika and Sasami, they have to go back to dry. And Mahoshi and Kioni, they jobs to do. They gotta go back to patrolling the galaxy, as galaxy police are wont to do. And then we were left hanging. What happened to Ryoko? Where's Ryoko? Tenchi hears a cat meow, maybe a little subtle allusion to the OVA, thinking, is that is that a certain cabot? Oh, no, it was just my mind playing tricks. I mean, like Chuck said, it's like, am I hearing something? Is something there? And the music's playing and it swells. There's the cherry blossoms, which are beautiful and very symbolic in Japan, but something that viewers from anywhere can appreciate. It's, it's this gorgeous moment. Ryoko's back. They embrace. And she's telling Tenchi, I know they're all going to be back here. Definitely. I'm sure of it. And we get these little hints that, yep, Carnival's coming back. And just because this summer vacation's over, hey, there's going to be summer again next year. And everybody's going to come back. And that's something that the end of Tenchi Universe has, that again, the OVA never will, is it's the return. It's not just the initial gathering of all these exotic girls from all across the universe, as improbable as that sounds, ending up in Okayama, Japan on Earth. It's not just that they wound up there. They came back. And that reunion theme is something that really resonates with me and I find beautiful. And that is why that had to be my number one pick. And I'm so happy and proud of all of you listeners, all of you who voted. Thank you for making this, as voted by you, the number one episode of Tenshi Muyo, period. This episode is easily on my top 10. Easily. The hell, the last five episodes of Universe are half of my top 10, easily. But this episode in specific has. A lot of things that need to be unpacked in a way. When I look back on it as and as I've gotten older, when I was a kid, it was some folks have said already, this is kind of a sleepy episode. It's kind of a denouement to the to be a bit French and a highfalutin for a moment. It's the declining action from the height that was episode 25 where everything went down. And now you're seeing like the aftermath, all of the stuff that follows that. What would logically follow? You have all this business that has to be tied up. People who are, have been ousted from this coup of getting their comeuppance. Our heroes are vindicated. But that's the thing. It's time to move on. I've been to a lot of schools. I've gotten a lot of degrees. I've moved around a lot. And people grow apart. And that's kind of what you see at the beginning of this episode is 
They're starting to go their separate ways. Keone and Mahoshi have their promotions. They got the careers to think about. Washu's back at the Science Academy, recognized and reaccepted until she gets kicked out again for weapon development, because of course she would. Then you have Aika. Aika has so much to do trying to write all the things that Kagato did to her planet. Well, she's busy. She's very busy. And Tenshi, well, I mean, Tenshi's <laughs> Tenshi doesn't know anything about ruining a planet. He's ready to go home after all, all of this madness. And then that one heart-wrenching scene. We didn't get to talk about episode 23, but episode 23 and episode 26 have two of the most poignant Aika moments in the entire franchise, except maybe OVA 1 episode 5. Aika in episode 23 and in episode 26 offers Tenchi the throne. You could have anything you wanted if you took the throne. You should be emperor. You should be king. Tenchi, it's your birthright. But Tenchi tells her no. Because in that fight with Kagato, Tenchi monologues over a lot of this, expanding on his thoughts, which is something that you only get in the two bookend episodes, really. You get the opening monologue from Tenchi in episode one, and you get this ending monologue from Tenchi in the final episode. And Tenchi explains he knows now why Kagato didn't take the throne. He knew that, again, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and Kagato's a case study in that. And Tenchi knows that. So even though it hurts Aika, he has to tell her no. And you see in her face in that moment the same crushed heart that you saw in Ryoko two episodes previous. And this whole time, she, she's been on vacation, and now the person that she took that vacation for has turned her down just as much as he turned down Ryoko. Just the same. She said that she would not see him leave because she couldn't stand it. You, you see her, she, she's trying to keep this whole princess facade up, and it just shatters. This breaks. She cries. She holds it together as best she can, but she cries anyway. And as Tenshi monologues, that was the last time I saw Aika. <laughs> Liar. You did. You saw her later. But anyway, he goes back home and you get all this stuff. He's go back to school. He, he, he meets up with all of his friends again. But there's something missing. He knows something's missing. He mentions it. It's all the same. Just back to normal. My grandfather goes back to being himself. My dad goes back to work and everything's back to normal. Everything's back to normal. Tenshi's bored out of his mind. He misses his friends. He made so many good friends. And that's the secret. That's the secret to all of this. It's not harem nonsense. It's not all of them vying for certain intimate relations. No, it's just people, the friends, the relationships you made along the way. That's the journey. I've been around this world for several years now, and I, there are many times I've made friends and had to leave them because of work, because of other obligations. I know that feel. And this episode takes me back to that feel. And much like Tenshi in Tokyo has a lot of those, a lot of those feels, this is one of those moments where you feel for the guy. You do. You, put, you, you can put yourself into Tenshi's shoes. You, you know that moment when you graduate. That's a great elation moment. But then you all have to go home. Then all of you have to move on to something else. And you think back about those good times. And you say, I wish I could go back to that. And for a while... For at least, seems like a, a few weeks, if not months, Tenshi was kind of the same way. But then that jingle jangle, that jingle jangle, that meow. And then the song kicks up, he turns around, and there she is, shrouded in cherry blossoms. Ryoko survived her encounter with, with Kagato, with the, with the dry and fleet. And moreover, she says, they're all going to come back, you know, because all of us feel that way. And all of us want that carnival to come around. And if you wait for a while, it will come back to you. Nagishi has a bit of a style to him, I've noticed. One last time to another favorite of mine, Tekken Blade. Same thing happens. 
In episode 48, you have this big climactic battle with D-Boy's opposite. But the episode after, there's a battle. There, you fight Tekaman Omega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, too, has that falling action, that denouement where everything is wrapped up. You see where our heroes have landed. And in that show, it's a lot more bittersweet. I'm not going to spoil it. But it, too, has that kind of bittersweet moment. But unlike Tenshi, Tekken Blade doesn't have a climactic, heroic re resolution. You, you, you feel that loss, and you stick with it. That's going to stick with you, Space Cowboy. Tenshi, on the other hand, you have that happy moment. Cherish it, because they don't always come around. But this carnival, it'll be back. Naturally, this is my number one as well. And... Again, I want to give kudos to everybody who voted. And Tenji Phantom in general, you picked the best one, as far as I'm concerned, to be number one. I was talking earlier about how Tenchi, or one of the things it's very good at, is putting its best foot forward, or putting a good foot forward, depending on the series. Tenchi Universe has a perfect ending. Not only does it have the best ending that Tenchi Universe could have, it has the ending that Tenchi as a franchise should end on, period. End of sentence. One or two series have tried. I'll say it right now. Tenshi in Tokyo episode 26 made my top 10. Didn't make it on this list, but it did very similar things. But every time I think about it, every time I would go, ah, maybe. No. Episode 26 of Universe, nothing can beat it. Both in my mind and obviously in the minds of the people who voted. There's nothing that can beat it. It's so feel good. You know, there are so few times in anime where you get to that ending and it's as good as you want it to be. And everybody can kind of just go, yes, this is the one. There's a reason that so many people love Tenchi Universe. And it's not just because it's a great series, but because from beginning to end, beginning, middle, end, it's great. There's, you, you, you literally can't ask for more. And episode 26, I mean, the moment where Tenchi and Ryo go see each other and Tenchi ends up being the one who's looking and goes and is, you know, sees, thinks he sees Ryoki. Ah, oh, it's a cat. And then he thinks he sees Ryoko, but it's not her. And it does that scene where he's moving and he turns around at the same time and he sees Ryoko. And all she does is say, hey, dude, I remember the first time I saw that and I was just like, my heart about jumped out of my chest. Because like everybody else in episode 24, when Ryoko was gone, I was like, no way, no way, no way they would do this. But it's because of that moment that that moment that you see Ryoko sitting on that thing and Tenchi smiling because he's like, yes. And then Ryoko jumps into his arms. And that scene of them in each other's arms is one of the most, you see it everywhere because everybody's like, duh, this is one of the greatest, if not the greatest moments in Tenchi. Nigishi, we're talking about directorial marks, I guess. Nigishi loves to do the thing at the very end of episodes where he'll look at them and then pan out or pan up. It's so perfect in universe, and you know, I'll, that's it. It's perfect. Chef's kiss, the whole nine yards, ends, and you're just like, I, I don't know what to do with myself, but I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied, and that whole experience was great. Thank you all for voting in best of the best. As of this moment, as you're listening to this podcast, worst of the worst will be available, so... There's another one for your all of Tenchi fandom to let us know what you think were the top 10 worst of Tenchi. But again, I want to thank everybody in here for doing the podcast with me today. Everybody for listening. If you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast fix. We are there. And until next time, 
stay gold. <laughs>